Now, if you weren't here last week, we're starting a, I started a series last week on, uh, on the verse in Mark, the 16th chapter. Now, we're going to be in the Mark, this, just a couple of verses there, but we're going to be in Matthew, the 17th chapter, and Mark, the 9th chapter. We're going to kind of jump back, back and forth between those uh, two verses. And I know that most of you can probably quote this verse, so you don't need to, if you want to, you can. We're in Mark 16, verses 7, six, excuse me, 17 and 18. And it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands upon the sick, and they will recover. Now, you think this is just a simple verse until you start digging into it. There's a lot of stuff in here, and that's why it's going to take me at least two more weeks to be able to get through all this stuff. Because there's a lot there. And a lot of times we as Christians, we get intimidated by this verse. And we want, we sit in there and we're looking for signs. Because this verse says that there's going to be signs. And we get a little confused about what these signs are. And how it fits into us as Christians. And so instead of, we worry so much about the signs, we forget that what we're supposed to be doing for God. Believers aren't supposed to look for signs. The world is supposed to look for signs because the signs help the unbelievers. That leads them to the believers so the believers can minister to the unbelievers and the believers can find Jesus and they get saved. That's what the signs are for. They're not for us. The problem is we in the Christian world, we spend so much time chasing signs. We say, oh man, i got to go over here because I heard that they can do this and they can do that, so we run over there. And we run over here and we waste all our time running all around the place trying to find signs and following signs, but that isn't God's will. Because God says signs will follow believers. Now that doesn't mean that I'm supposed to be dragging them along and pulling them. They're supposed to follow me. I used the example last week about walking on the sands. If you're walking on the uh, sandy beach, you can walk on there, and I don't care what you do, you're going to leave footprints on the sands. You don't have to sit there and start kicking up sand to let people know that you're walking on that sand because it's just something that happens automatically if you're going to walk on a beach. Well, this, it, this world is the beach that we have been called to walk on. This world is that sandy beach. Sometimes we may get in sandstorms, but this is the beach that we have been called to walk on. <clears throat> and we don't have to be worried about looking behind us all the time. We're going anywhere and looking to see if our print footprints are there. We're not supposed to be doing that. We're supposed to be focused on the goal and focused on what God has called us to do and let God worry about all these things over here. Because he said the signs will follow. didn't say they might follow. It said they will follow. But as long as we're looking behind us and we keep looking on things that are behind us, we can't be focused on the things that are ahead of us, and then God can't work these signs through us because we're too bad look, busy looking backwards. That isn't God's will for our life. And we need to make sure that we understand that. Now, we just talked about general terms last week. Today I want to get into the, the, the meat of this verse. And the first one, and, and I don't know why the, these are in particular order that they are. Maybe, you know, there's a purpose. Maybe we can figure out a purpose why they were in the order they're in. But it said, in my name they will cast out demons. Oh, man, that scares people to death when they think about that. Don't like that casting out demons part. Now, during the time that Christ walked this earth and the disciples walked this earth, there was a lot of more demon possession than there is today. So a lot of times we're attributing to de demons when all of this is just people. <laughs> but in this time frame, a lot of people 
demons were everywhere because people were dealing with the occult and they were dealing in black magic. They were dealing all these things they shouldn't be into. In America, we don't have so much of it because most of that we don't do. But of course, we're getting back to those times. You, you go into these, some of these other countries of the world, even today, where the old cult is just rampant in the country, you're going to see a lot of demon possession. You're going to see these kind of things. But unless you're dealing basically in America, you don't see that so often. So we need to not be focused on worrying about where's the demons. He didn't call us to be demon hunters. <laughs> didn't call us to go looking for demons. He didn't call us to do those kind of things. But it, this verse says that if they will, in my name they will cast out demons. Now I want to get right up front that Christians can't be possessed. There are some people that say that Christians can be possessed. If I'm a Christian, I'm not a duplex. I don't have a room in my life for Jesus and another room for the devil in my heart. We're not duplexes. When, we, when Jesus saves us, he cleanses the whole house. He doesn't just cleanse a certain area of our, of our lives that only he can dwell in, and then all these other demons and things can, can live there. So we're not a duplex. Demons can't possess Christians, but they can oppress Christians. They say, well, what's the difference? Possession is internal. Oppression is external. He can oppress us externally. He can jab us with sticks, which he does. He can have... Uh, use people to get at us. They can say things to us. They can, they can make our lives miserable, but they can only do it from the external realm. They can't do it inside us. So we have control how we respond to the oppression that, is, that we face every day. So there's the difference. Externally, yeah, he can jab me with six. Yeah, he can get me. He can jab me and make me sick. He can jab me and I can trip over my own feet and fall and hurt myself. I can do a lot of things, but it's not from a possession. It's from an oppression. And if you've ever lived in certain areas of the country and gone other places, you can feel that there's a different atmosphere that's in certain places of the world. There's, where the more, op- uh, the more uh, people are ungodly, there's more oppression there. And you may go in there and say, what is this that I'm feeling? What is this? It just kind of feels, you just can't put your finger on it. Well, that's an oppression. And there's oppression throughout all the world. And in some areas, it's more prominent than other places. But only, you know, as Christians, we can sense that, and we, and we can kind of know that. But we can't be possessed. So I want to get that out of there right off the bat. So if you know somebody, they may act like the devil, but the devil isn't living inside them. The devil is just using them to get at you. And the devil uses us. God, the devil even uses Christians. Did you know that? I'll tell you, I've been hurt by, more, by Christians a lot more than I have from the world because we don't expect Christians to hurt us. We expect the world to hurt us if they get an opportunity or to rip us off, but we don't expect so-called Christians to do that. But we gotta keep our eyes open all the time because the devil will use anybody that is available to be used at that particular time. And we have to watch our hearts and I say, God, don't let me be used by the devil. Don't let me be used to hurt anybody. Don't let me be used to say something I shouldn't say. So, now this cast out demons it means to throw out, drive out, send out, bring out demons in the authority and the power of my name or the power of Jesus' name. We don't have to do it in our own strength because if we do it in our own strength, of course, we can't do it. I'm not powerful, more powerful than a demon. I'm not. I don't have the strength to do it. But Jesus is. Jesus is stronger than all of them put together. And one, one speaking his word destroys them all. That's the reality of it. But see, we have to be willing to acknowledge that 
and allow God to do that or Jesus to do that through us. Now, if Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal came to my house, if you don't know who Shaquille O'Neal is, he's a basketball player. He's about six foot, what, six foot two, six foot three. Probably weighs about 360, 370 pounds or something. So, excuse me, seven foot. I'm sorry. I said six. Uh, seven foot. That's, that means a lot bigger. That extra foot's a big, big dude. So, and now if he come into my house unwelcome and started, you know, wanted to <clears throat> steal from, something from my house, I'm basically helpless. There's nothing I can do. He outweighs me, and he's, you know, way too huge. I can sit there and look at him, and I'd be running out my own house looking at that. But see, if I go into my bedroom and I grab out a, a Colt uh, 357 Magnum, the equalizer. <coughs> see? All of a sudden, I don't care how big that dude is. I say, get out! And you think he's going to question my authority? <laughs> See, that's the reality of it. And what it is when we're dealing with demons is that Jesus is that 357 Magnum. See, all we have to do is speak the words, get out! And they'll leave. But see, we have to have that 357 Magnum because that is the, that's where our power is. It's not in me. I mean, he isn't scared of me. He wouldn't be afraid of me. Not even my heyday when I could, you know, was pretty strong and could do a lot of things. He wouldn't be afraid of me then either. Just like you would with a six-year-old coming up, trying to beat you up. You just put their hand on, you've seen this commercial where they put your hand on their head and they're swinging. That'd be what it's like. But see, without the authority and power of Jesus, that's what we're doing. We're sitting there and the, demon, the devil's got his hand on our heads and we're sitting there and we're batting and we're fighting and we're fighting. When all we have to do is take the power of the 357 or take the power of Jesus' name and say, get out of here. That's the reality of what we have to do. But see, we don't know that. And Satan definitely doesn't want us to know that because he likes oppressing us. He likes bothering us. He likes doing all these other kind of things because he hates us. Now, if you don't know that the devil hates you, he hates you. And he hates you because he hates God. Nothing personal, <laughs> but when you signed up on God's side, hey, you signed up to fight him. You turned the opposite direction on a busy freeway, and people are going on the Audubon, 140 miles an hour, and all of a sudden you change directions. And you want to, whoa! That's what happens when you get saved. You change directions, and now all of a sudden you aren't going to the flow anymore, and all of a sudden there's a problem. And we have to realize there is a problem. That's why Jesus left us his name to use, to be able to fight these forces so we don't have to live a defeated life. Jesus' plan for our life is to be victorious. We don't have to be under the devil's foot. He's under my foot. And I need to realize that. And the only time he isn't under my foot is when I let him up. So if he's bothering you, hey, put your foot back down. So, now Acts, um, the 16th chapter... Uh, starting, there are just a couple verses here, starting at 16 and 18. It says, Now it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. And this she did many days. And then verse 18, But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Now demons interfere with your life. See, Paul didn't bother doing it as soon as he seen this, this gal that was possessed with a demon. He didn't bother with her. But when she started interfering with his goal or with his purpose that God had called him to, that's when he started doing something about it. 
And then he said, you know, you're interfering with my life. I can't do what God's called me to do as long as you're here. So get out of here in the name of Jesus. That's all he had to do. Now, he didn't, after he cast this demon out, he didn't set up a, a little sign in the corner of the town saying, Paul, demon removers. He didn't get out print-up business cards and say, hey, you want your demons removed? Just call on me. Call on me. I'll come Johnny on the spot and I'll do it. He didn't do that. He didn't go looking for demons. All he did was try to do what God wanted him to do, and the problem interfered with his ministry that he wanted to do. We're not called to go out and look for demons everywhere there's demons. He didn't call us to do that. But if they start interfering with our lives, or they start interfering with people that's interfering with what God has called us to do, then we've got to quit listening to what they're doing and start taking authority over them. That's the only time we're supposed to be doing it. I'm not supposed to sit up a shop downtown and say, hey, healing ministry here, demon casting out ministry here. Huh? Because God assumes that all of us are going to be able to do these kind of things because he gave us the power and authority to do it. He didn't give us the power and authority to run an ad in the paper or to seek them out. He says, but if they interfere with your life, I'm giving you the authority to do it. And that's what we need to understand and we need to realize. And I know that uh, a lot of t- people today, they get involved in this well we got to find this out who this demon is we want to got to have a name oh we can't cast anybody out if they don't know their name and there was a time frame i don't know whether there's much of it hanging around now that people used to pray for people and they spend more time what's your name what's your name what's your name well i don't care what their name is i just want them out and if you come into my house i don't need to know your name to throw you out I just tell you to get out. I don't care what your name is. I don't want to be introduced to any demons. I don't care about their name. I just want them out. And that's what Jesus wanted us to do. Now, I know there's one scripture in the Bible where Jesus asked particularly for the demon's name. Now, I don't know why he did that. I think, in a sense, to let us know that they were real. They weren't just a, a, a force to be reckoned with. They were actual individual entities that we needed to deal with. And when, if people, like for women that got abortions today, if they had a baby and knew they were pregnant and they knew when the first time they found out, they named that baby, they wouldn't be able to abort that baby. Because all of a sudden, that isn't just a glob of something that they're carrying around. It's a real, breathing human being. So maybe that's why Jesus named it that one time, let him give their name. So he can let us know that this isn't just a force. They are actually individual entities that he wants us to throw out. Other than that, I don't know. When I get to heaven, if you want, if I'm interested still then, I may ask him. So we don't need to make a, make a doctrine out of trying to find their names. I don't care. I want them out. Now, in Matthew, the 17th chapter, we're going to be reading a few verses there. And then we're going to be going from Matthew, the 17th chapter, back to Mark 19. It's the same story that we're going to be dealing with, just kind of a little different perspective from both, uh, from both things. In Matthew 17, starting with the 14th verse, it says, At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. Now, this was right after the Mount Transfiguration had occurred, and they were coming down from the Mountain of Transfiguration. And this is the the story that is related in these verses. And, uh, see, 14b. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Now remember, Peter, James, and John, they weren't here. 
So this, uh, the disciples that had tried to, to cast out these demons before, it wasn't Peter, James, and John because they were on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus. So they weren't there. So they were the ones that were closer to Jesus than the others were. Uh, let's see, verse 17. And Jesus said, You faithless, faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Now we're going to jump back to Mark, the ninth chapter, because he gets a little, little uh, more insight into this instance. Starting at verse 20. And he said, So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, Since he was a little boy. The spirit has often thrown him into the fire or, in, or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you evil, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter into him. Now, I don't know why, the, why Jesus asked the, the father how long this had been happening. Maybe he wanted to, to bring out the fact that this wasn't just a, uh, an occurrence that just happened one time. This had been going on his whole life. So basically, the situation looked hopeless to the father that he brought there. And Jesus rebuked the spirit. He rebuked him. Now, what does rebuke mean? Well, when my kids were growing up and they were younger and they were doing something that I didn't want them to do, I said, quit it! Stop it right now! Isn't that what, that's what a rebuke is. And so that's basically what he told the demon. He said, stop it! I don't know whether uh, he didn't look, it's, I don't know, it isn't any harder for Jesus to cast a demon out while something's moving. I don't have no idea. But I know it's easier to get a sliver out of somebody's finger when the hand isn't moving. <laughs> I don't know whether that's the case or not. But he wanted him to stop because he was doing something else. He was building the faith of the Father and the people that were there. If it had just done it one instant, there would have been no graduation of faith because he wanted the people to start being able to believe. So when he told that demon to stop it, and he stopped it instantly, all of a sudden the people go, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. All of a sudden a little bit of faith starts growing up and maybe in the Father's heart, maybe in the disciples' heart. Maybe that's why he did it in, the, in this way. Now I remember... And we don't want to remember, we don't want to invite dinners, demons to dinner. He didn't call them by their name here. He just told them to get out. He named what they were, a dumb and deaf spirit. He named what the problem was. And sometimes if it's, we have to respond to them in the spirit of whatever's going on in their life. If it's a spirit of uh, dumbness or if it's a spirit of, of convulsions or whatever it might be, we may have to say, hey, you spirit of whatever it is, leave them alone or whatever it might be. Now, I remember there was an instant in my own life when we were attending Valley Assembly up in Salt Lake. And um, we were there, and I had a little office. I had an office right behind the sanctuary. And I was in my office, and one of the ladies came into the office afterwards, after the service was over, and she was coming in and, and t talking to me. And all of a sudden, she had a grandma seizure right there. And I'm at Kenya, she, and she was, a, she was a big woman. She was like six foot one, six foot two. And she was, I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't fat, but she was a big woman, of course. Being six foot one, six foot two makes her big anyway compared to me. And I wasn't quite as big as I am now, but I was a lot stronger then. But anyway, she sits there and she has a seizure. And man, she hits the ground. And man, she's going crazy on the ground. And I'm going, I'm about ready to freak out. 
And I'm sitting, all I remembered was when somebody has a seizure like this, what you do is you grab your tongue, grab their tongue. So I'm sitting there trying to chase her head around the floor, trying to, <laughs> trying to grab her tongue so, so that she'd stop this. And, and about this time, another lady uh, came in, a, a prayer warrior in the church came in. And I'm sitting there, and I'd had enough of this. And finally, I don't know, the, the Spirit of God come over me. I didn't plan on doing anything. I didn't look for anything. But here I am dealing with a situation. I just said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get your hands off of God's property. She doesn't belong to you. She belongs to God. Now leave her alone. And I command you to leave her alone right now. And I no sooner got that out of my mouth, and boom, it was gone. I mean, it was over that instant, and I'm, you know, I'm just as shocked as anybody <laughs> because I didn't plan on doing this, but the Holy Spirit did, and the Holy Spirit just rose up in my, in my heart and in my soul, and I rebuked it in the name of Jesus. And you know, she never had a seizure after that. And I praise God because of that, because I needed that for my faith to know that, hey, I don't have to worry about it. Because, see, we spend so much time in fear that we're going to run into a situation and we're not going to know how to deal with it, that we avoid everything. But that isn't God's will. God's will is that if the situation arises, to trust him, to let him and his spirit speak forth from your body, and all you had to do is speak the words. All I had to do is speak the words. I didn't have to do anything else. I couldn't hold her down. I couldn't even grab her tongue. I'm like, man, I'll tell you, it's not fun trying to see something like that. But the authority of Jesus just rose up in my spirit. And that's all I had to do. So I didn't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. Now, I'm not afraid of the situations anymore. Not that I ever was. But I wasn't afraid of facing things because I don't need to worry about it because I'm not going to do it in my power. My power couldn't do anything. But his name and his power is what did it. And that's what God has in mind for our lives. If situations arise, deal with them. Let your fear be replaced with faith. Now, in uh, verse 19, in Matthew, right, 19, it says, Afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here and to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now, I don't know, you know, whether they were surprised that the demons don't go out at the first time, or, or what, I don't know what it was, because evidently they'd done it before. But it didn't work this time. And so they were, you know, kind of confused over that. Maybe it's because Jesus wasn't with them during this period. At this time they tried to do it. Sometimes we try to do things without Jesus being with us, don't we? So that's a lesson in itself. So anyway, they couldn't do it. And Jesus said it's because they didn't have enough faith. Now, verses 22 through 24, this, uh, it says, uh, The Spirit often throws him... Oh, excuse me, we're going back to Mark. I jump back to Mark. Mark 9:22. The Spirit often throws him into fire and try, in water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The Father instantly cried out, I do not believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The man had enough faith to bring, the, bring his son to Jesus. So he had some, a little, he believed. He believed, but he didn't have faith. We believe a lot of things, but do we have faith? See, there's the, there's the stickler. But see, Jesus said, all things are possible. So Jesus was saying, hey, just hang on a minute. You believe now, but in a minute you're going to have faith. <laughs> he didn't believe over here. He had a little bit of faith. He had, had a little bit of belief. He believed that Jesus, well, I've heard that he could do it. I know maybe he could do it. So maybe, 
Maybe he can, so I'm, I'm going to, what could it hurt? I've tried everything else. I might as well. How many times do we bring that to God? Say, I, I've tried everything else. God, here it is. And God's up there saying, well, finally, <laughs> finally you gave it to me. Wow. <laughs> Why didn't you try that to begin with? So anyway, the, fa- the father did have a little bit of faith. But this, this was a, quite a, a big thing for him. But Jesus was saying, hey, all things are possible if you believe. He said, if you believe, it can happen. So if you believe, just hang around here with your little bit of faith, with your little bit of belief, because pretty soon, when I'm through here, you're going to have faith. After that happened, I guarantee that father had faith, don't you? I guarantee he had faith. Now, I was kind of, you know, understanding about faith to belief. And that's why we want to build up our faith. So we can, whatever we have, we can bring to God and let him multiply that into faith. Now, I know if I sat up here and I told you, told you, say, hey, pick a number, Cecilia, between one and a thousand. And I'll tell you what it is. And she's probably thinking, oh, yeah, right. But, you know, she has a little bit, maybe a little bit of confidence. After all, I'm a, I'm a pastor, you know. You know, there's, there's probably a lesson here, so I'll go ahead and play the game. You'd play the game with me, wouldn't you? <laughs> now, she picked that number, and, and I told her what it was. Man, she might be a little impressed. Oh, lucky guess. Who knows? But if I went through and picked 20 numbers and gave her every single one of those numbers correctly, now all of a sudden that little bit of belief, you know, starting to grow. Hey, well, maybe, man, I don't know. Maybe, you know, this is kind of weird. Now, one, two, okay, man, I'll give you that, but 20? And now all of a sudden, I'm up here to number 99. I've guessed 99 numbers correctly. And I've guessed every single one of them. You think she's going to believe that I can pick number 100? Do you think she's going to do that without any doubt? Do you believe that she would go out and bet everything she had that I would know what number 100 was? I think she would. But see, this process of going through there, see, I had to build up her faith. I had to build up her confidence in my ability to be able to do that. If just one isn't no big deal. But when I'm up to 99, hey, man, she knows I'm going to do it. I can do it. And she has all kinds of faith in that, my ability to do that. Well, that's what Jesus does with us. He takes what little bit of faith we have, and through every instant in our life that we go through, then all of a sudden, well, I can believe, yeah, I believe God can give me five bucks. Not a big deal. Five bucks isn't that much money. Of course, especially nowadays. After the government gets through, it's only two. <laughs> I believe God can do that, so I'll trust God for two bucks or five bucks or whatever it is, and God gives it to you. And then all of a sudden, well, now it's 20 bucks. Well, he gave me the five, and this is four times as much. So can I believe him for, the f- for 20? Sure. So you believe him, and all of a sudden you get the 20 bucks. And then all of a sudden you go through this process, not only with financial things, but with physical things and with uh, uh, everything else that's going on in your life, a job situation. I didn't have a job, got laid off from this job. God gave me a better job. So if I got, lost my job this time, I'm going to trust God and know that he can give me a better job next time because he did it over here. See, that's what God does to us. He takes our belief, and he wants to turn it into faith. But we have to bring our belief to God and let him know that, hey, I believe it's possible. If we don't believe it's possible, we'll never have any faith. And there's nothing that God can't do. I think we all agree on that. There's nothing that God can't do. 
So God wants to take that little bit of faith in our lives, and he, or belief, and he wants to turn it into faith. And the only way we can do that is a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. <coughs> and belief is an action word. Belief is a more or less an action, uh, what, an adjective, verb, whatever it is, an action verb. I guess it is. I don't know. Been too long since I took English in school. So it's an action word. It's something that we have to do. We have to have a confidence. It's something that we actively do. Like this man, he had faith. He had a belief because he brought his kid to Jesus. That was a belief. It was action. He brought it to Jesus. He brought his son to Jesus. But faith is a noun. So when we have enough belief in something, then pretty soon it changes into something solid. And now, turns us into a thing. Faith is a substance, in uh, Hebrews 11 chapter says. It's a, faith is a substance. So we know it's something solid. But we have these little things and little adjectives and things that we do, and we bring them to Jesus until he creates the faith within us. A little bit at a time, Jesus does that. In, um, now, uh, Let's see, where are we at? I missed a verse here. I know. Oh, there we go. Uh, verse 21 in Matthew 17. It says, oh no, Romans 10, 17 first. I about jumped ahead of myself because I need this scripture. The other won't make any sense. Romans 10, 17. Now you probably know this verse by heart. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to move from belief to faith. And the way that we do that is by hearing. God says you want to hear it. You want to have a lot more faith? You do it by hearing. That means you hear it. You're here on Sunday morning, you come to church. You come to Wednesday night Bible study. You come to Sunday evening services. You come to all these things. And then you read your Bible every day. You pray every day. You want more faith? That's the way you get it. That's a road map to faith. Because if you're reading all these things that happened in the Bible, then it lets you know, hey, if he did it for them, he can do it for me. And we don't have to worry about it. But see, we have to build up our faith. And it's up to us to do that. Sometimes we get a gift of faith for a particular instance, and God just drops it into your heart, just like he did with me in that instant in the, in the church with uh, Debbie. But it isn't going to happen all the time, maybe. I need to build up that faith so I don't have to worry about God dropping it into my heart. I will have built it up into my heart enough that I can just respond instantly, just like driving your car down the road. If somebody pulls out in front of me, I don't have to think about it. I just step on the brake, or I do what I need to do to avoid it. When we, have the, when we have the stuff inside us, when we have the knowledge inside us, then we can do it. If we don't, we're not going to be able to do it. We're going to hit them. We'll run over them. So the problem was it wasn't in this story, wasn't with the authority. Matthew 17, 21, it says, However, this faith, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I don't know why this case was different than any other case. I have no idea why. doesn't matter. It doesn't say that. But maybe... They didn't have, have enough time to spend in prayer before that happened. Or maybe they, um, Jesus was telling them that, uh, don't give up. Because sometimes we do, don't we? When we have pray for something and nothing happens, we give up. Say, well, I guess doesn't, God doesn't want to answer this, or I guess God doesn't want to work this out. He wants us to continue to pray. He didn't just say, quit praying to the guys. He said, you didn't have enough faith. And this is a particular stronghold that you can only get through, you can only break through through prayer and fasting. It's the only way. You have to be strong at those times. The problem is we as Christians, we're running on empty all the time. If, if you went out and you wanted to go to Phoenix and you looked at your gas tank and it was said empty, 
You're not going to try to drive to Phoenix unless you fill up your tank, are you? That'd be crazy. You wouldn't even get down the road hardly at all. You'd run out of gas. You wouldn't do it. You'd have to fill up your tank. Well, that's what we as Christians need to do. We need to quit running on empty. We need to start running on full. And sometimes we have, a, have an extra strong stronghold in our life. Jesus says, hey, get with me. Get into prayer and fasting. Spend more time with me. Fill up your tank. Make sure you're full when you go f- try to fight these strongholds. And we need to do that every day. We need to fill up our tank every day. But under certain circumstances, if you have something that you've been praying for and, and it's just the answer just isn't coming, then maybe you need to fill up your tank so you can fill up your faith, so you can have more faith to be able to respond to that particular need. In uh, Acts 19, the chapter, the 13th verse, this is a kind of an interesting story. And it talks, uh, well, I'll just read it. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirits replied, I don't know. I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them and overpowered them and attacked them, with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus and to the Jews and the Greeks alike. And a solemn fear was descending upon the city. And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at the public bonfire. The value of the books were seven million, several million dollars in today's money. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. See, people saw the power that was in the name of Jesus. And see, the sons of Sceva, they had done it successfully a few times. But they ran into something that was a little more powerful than they could handle. They were bigger demons, I guess, or more powerful. I have no idea. I don't understand how they could do anything. But evidently it said they had done it a couple times because they had enough faith in the name of Jesus that it worked. They had enough confidence in that name. I mean, we just, if we just had enough confidence in Jesus' name as these guys did before they got beat up, we could do more for God. But the devil, or the demon, they says, Jesus, I know. He knew who Jesus was. He knew where Paul was, but he didn't know him. Why? Because they, weren't, they didn't have the authority to be using that name. And if somebody steals your credit card, hopefully uh, somebody will ask for an ID somewhere when they're trying to use that thing and say, hey... This isn't you. (laughs) You're not charging on this. This isn't you. (laughs) Or they take the credit card and they cut it up because they didn't have the authority to use it. Well, that's what they were saying here. Not only they didn't have the authority, they got beat up. They let that demons left, that guy left them naked and battered. Now, there was seven of them and only one guy full of demons. And he took those seven guys and beat them the whatever out of them. And they ran away naked <laughs> and beaten. I mean, it's bad enough to get beat up to run away naked. That was even worse. <laughs> that was really a, humili- a humiliating experience for them. So we got to make sure that we have the goods. How do we get the goods? We have to know that we can do anything through his name. We have to know that we have the faith and we have the confidence in his name. Not in my name. If I try to do anything in, G- in my own name, 
Oh, I'm going to get beat up worse than the sons of Sceva did. Because I don't have any power in my name. But I have power and authority in his name. And that's what we need to realize. Well, once you realize that we have that power and authority, and then our belief starts expanding, and it just starts growing and growing. And every week, man, I have, I have more faith today than I did 20 years ago. I had a small amount of faith years ago, and it's through my, through I've walked through the Christian life, and I've seen all the things that God's done for me and all the miracles he's performed. I've seen miracles in my life. I've seen them. So I know they're real. And if they're real, I have the same authority and the power to do them. I just need to take control of my authority. I have to keep, take that 357 out of my belt and start using it. Start speaking the words. That's all I have to do. That's all you have to do. So if you're having a problem in your life with something, hey, start speaking the words. There's power in our words. And Jesus is the word. Talk about power. <laughs> And when we speak Jesus' word, we're speaking his words, we're speaking it with his power and with his authority. And they have no option but to do, it, do what it's told. When I was a supervisor, I could go up to any of the four leads that I had and all the 65 people that worked under me and tell them, I want you to go over here and do this. I didn't have to go ask the lead or anybody else it was okay if they did it. I said, just follow me. Go over here and do this. Nobody questioned my authority because I had the authority to do it. Well, we have the authority as Christians to do it. We can cast them out and say, hey, get out of here in the name of Jesus. And don't come back. I always want to tie the end of it. Don't come back. Or I cast you back to the pit where you came from. Because if we don't, they can come back. We might make them clean and clean and all pretty than that. But unless we cast them permanently out of them, they're going to go around the corner. And they're, unless their lives are changed, it's going to happen again. So we want to make sure we tell them, don't return. Never come back. And if it doesn't work the first time, do it again. Don't let it beat up on us. Don't let it ruin our faith. But if we have enough confidence in, in Jesus' name to do it, we don't have to worry about a second time or a third time or a fourth time. Or if you have a problem, call somebody else. The Bible says that one can send 1,000 to flight, but two can send 10,000. I don't know how many 10,000. Is that a legion? Is 10,000 a legion? And when Jesus did name that one name, it said his name was legion because there are many. There was 10,000 in there. Hey, it just took one Jesus. Oh, we did. We got the same Jesus, and he gave us the same authority that he had. See, he said, I'm going away. It's good for you that I'm going away because I'm leaving you my authority. I'm leaving you my gun. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to live within you. And that same spirit that I do it in is the same spirit you can do it in. You just got to accept the authority and accept the, the ability that God has given you to do it. Now, if I had a, uh, you had a set of keys to your car, and you come over and you tried to start my car with your keys, wouldn't work. You had an idea of going anywhere in that car using your keys in my car, you're going to sit there a long time, unless you had a hot wire. But your keys won't work in my car. But see, Jesus left the keys to the car. He left the copies of the keys. And you know, when you get a copy made, it works just the same as the, as the original. See, Jesus gave us a copy of the key. And he, we can take that key, and we can go in there, and we can utilize it just the same as anybody else's. Just the same as he did. So we just need to have to take possession. Jesus says, here's the key. Here's the key. All you got to do is come and get it. It's right there. All you got to do is take it. 
But we have to do something. We have to be able to, to physically take possession of that authority. If we don't, then we're going to be sitting in the, on the wrong end of things our whole life. But see, I get through times when, I, when I, I've just had enough of the devil sticking his fingers in my life. And I'll tell him, I, I talk to the devil a lot. Not as much as I talk to God. But when I've had enough of him, I said, devil, I'm tired of you sticking your fingers in this situation. Will you just get out of here and leave me alone in the name of Jesus? And it works. But see, we put up with entirely too much from the devil. We do. When we see his little handiwork in different places, we need to say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you. I bind you in this situation, and I tell you to get out of here. Not in my name. In his name. Because we put up with too much because we're used to it. We just roll with the punches. We think, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to live in poverty. I'm supposed to do all these other kind of things. But I don't read that in my Bible anywhere. I'd rather live in, po- in poverty if that's what it takes for me to make heaven. I'll live in poverty. Because if I can't handle something that's going to keep me out of heaven, I don't want it. But if I see the Satan messing around with things, I bind him in the name of Jesus. Not me, not me. I don't dare do it in my name, but I do it in his name. And that's what the, the angels said when they were uh, wrestling with the Satan over the body of Moses. They didn't do it in their own name. As powerful as an angel is, they didn't dare do it either. He said, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. That was the only power that they needed was the name of the Lord. And we have that same power today. We have that same authority to be able to do the things that God says we can do. He wouldn't give us any, tell us that we could do something and not give us the way to do it. You can have all the most wonderful appliances that the money can buy sitting on your counter. And oh, you go in there and look at all those beautiful appliances that are sitting there. You got a fancy convection oven. You got a really nice blender. You got a top of the line toaster. And you got the best coffee maker that there is. And man, you come in there and all the stuff lined up. It looks so beautiful and shiny and beautiful. And you go in, but plugged into the, they're plugged into the outlet, but if your power isn't turned on, doesn't do any good, does it? You can push all the buttons you want, nothing's going to work. So we want to be plugged into the power, and he's the power. He's the authority. When we're plugged into him, then all the things work. The toaster will work. The blender will work. When we need it, we need to just push the button, put the stuff in there, and it's done. That's the same thing what God wants us to do. We've got the power. We're plugged in. All we've got to do is do it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name's the button that turns on the power. We walk in his power daily, and we need to say every day, Lord, let me walk in your power today. Holy Spirit, let me walk in your power. Lead me, guide me, direct me. And if I see something that needs to be fixed, Lord, let me be able to, in your name, fix it. Give me the wisdom to know what I'm supposed to do. And don't worry about it. If I'd have worried, if somebody told me that Sunday morning when I went to church that was going to happen to me, I wouldn't have went. I'd have missed church. (laughs) No, no, not going to do that. That's scary. See, that's why God doesn't tell us what's going to happen in our life. (laughs) He doesn't want us. He wants us to walk in faith and not in fear. So he didn't tell me that. And then he showed me how that I can express my faith in the situation and win victorious. I didn't back down. Of course, like I said, it was just the Spirit of God that come over me when I did that. And we need to know that when those things happen in our life, His Spirit will come over us. And we don't need trust in us. You say, don't pay attention to what I'm going to say, because you just speak God's words. And speak it in the authority of Jesus' name. And we don't have to worry about it. So these signs will follow those that believe. They will cast out demons. Everyone here this morning 
has the power and the authority to cast out demons. Are you going to use it? Or are you going to run? That's the question. And of course, you have to know the one whose names that you're using for the power to just flow through you. You have to know Jesus. Do you know Jesus this morning? Is he your savior? Is he your protector? Is he the one that, that you're counting on to get you through all through this life? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for, for each one that is here this morning and you have a, a need that we need to pray about. Anyone here need special prayer?